0: I'm actually very excited to share with you guys today. Now, I know that I'm quite a passionate (laughs) person for those who know me. I'm always quite passionate about things, but there's a couple of reasons why I'm extra passionate today. The first one I think goes without saying. (laughs) It's Christmas time. It makes me so happy. Uh, This is from, from pretty much the 1st of November to the 25th, no, I'll go 26th of December. I'm just on this Christmas high. I'm just so happy. Uh, don't come to my house after that day. It's just a bit of a hard time for me. Yeah, the day the Christmas tree goes down, I try not to be at home. It's a hard day. But that's okay. I, I already, Els already heard me say, Oh, baby, it's going too fast. That's almost, over. I can't even, I've got to just be in the moment, right? So there's that. The second thing that I'm super excited about sharing with you today is what God has done through His Son, Jesus. Yeah. This theme, God with us, is going to be over the whole month of December. But as I have spent two weeks on this Word, and, and it's really been an amazing experience for me, is just to go through the Old Testament and read about the coming King. Yeah. It has lifted my spirits, and I, and I pray today that as I'm preaching sharing, Bible teaching, all of those words, that you catch something of God's plan for us. That yeah. you catch the plan that he has for each one of us individually, but also together. This God, Emmanuel. Mm-hmm. 2,000 years ago-ish, the world changed forever. Emmanuel God became flesh, a little baby. And humanity watched at that time. All the prophetic words of old come to pass. So we look back now, we have the New Testament. So we understand that Jesus was always coming and that was always God's plan. But the men and women of old, of the Old Testament, did not know what we know. They had to trust God completely. He came clearly that sin would no longer hold us, that death would no longer hold us, that we would no longer be alone. There would be a God that wasn't just around, but in us, with us. Emmanuel is on countless Christmas cards, probably throughout the centuries. Not so much these days, but that's because we got work. But Emmanuel was everywhere. We talked about it all the time. We sing it in songs at Christmas time, and again that great word. We go, yeah, Emmanuel. It sounds awesome. But really, do we know the power of this word, Emmanuel? In Isaiah seven fourteen, it says this: Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign: the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And we will call him Emmanuel. The Lord himself, his act, his decision. The birth of Christ was God-ordained, God-planned since the beginning of time. Not through human effort. Nothing we could have done ourselves. I love that, right? Nothing I could do to earn this love. Nothing I could do to earn this connection. His plan. God with us. Emmanuel connected to us. Now we know that God was always with us, essentially. We talk about God being omnipresent. And the Old Testament talks many times about this ever-present God. David wrote in Psalms, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. And in Jeremiah 23, 23 and 24, it says, Am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Who can hide in secret places that I don't or cannot see them, declares the Lord? Do not I feel heaven and earth? A God that's not just around us, though. Not just in and watching. But a part of us. In relationship for us. As you know, from the beginning of time, God's plan was always to have that relationship with us. I might be stating the obvious here, but I'm going to say it anyway. Anyway. God's plan was Eden. Adam and Eve were hanging out with God. Taking walks with Him. Having conversations with him, connected to him. That was his plan. That was his purpose for our life. As we know, sin came in. He gave us free will. (coughs) This is a crazy thing, right? The creator of something, you think he could have that moment to lord it over us, to tell us how things were going to be. But no, he gave us free will. He wanted us to choose connection with him. As we know, Eve was deceived. Satan played his part because his purpose was to destroy that connection. His purpose is still that today. To destroy that connection. But God had a plan. I love this bit, right? From the beginning of time, God's plan was connection. And from the very beginning, we ruined that connection. We ended it. Sin came in. We chose sin. We walked away from him. Yet, yet, from the beginning of time, his plan was to always be a Yeah, His plan was always to be together. Arguably, one of the first direct prophecies of the coming Messiah actually came in Eden, right after Satan had tempted Eve. Right at the very beginning. I will put enmity between you and the woman, God is speaking to Satan and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Right from the beginning, God knew. God had a plan. He wasn't surprised. He wasn't confused. He wasn't shocked. What did he want? Us. Connection. Let's stay in Genesis for a little bit longer today. I'm going to put... Uh, as well. Oh, thank you, Joel. You're already on it, mate. Appreciate it. Shall we go to the next one? Yes, this is the one. <laughs> the scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he comes to whom it belongs, and the obedience of the nations is his. So, this is one of the earliest scriptures again talking about our coming king. Now, important one for you to know here. A scepter written in this context, means king or royalty. If someone had a scepter, they were the boss guy. They had authority. They were a king. It's important to know that because as you read the scripture again, if you change that word, the king will not depart from Judah. This is a prophetic word again of the line of Jesus, where he would come from. In Numbers 24, 17, 19, it says this, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. And a ruler will come out of Jacob. Again, the scepter, a king, will come out of Israel. Interesting, another one. A little side note here, when it says a star. There's different interpretations in the Bible around a star. You'll read a few times in different scriptures where even stars are sent to earth to be judged. Now, just for your understanding, it's not talking about a physical star. The Bible often talks about a star being like a god. Mini-gods, little g-gods. Now, this is a bit of a tangent, it could be a tangent, I'm not going to go there. But it's possible, it's very possible, the Bible talks about more than just one god in the universe. Many little gods. But God is the god of the gods. He's the boss guy. So when we read this, though, he's saying a star, which means actually a god is coming. A God coming out of Jacob. Again, these people in the Old Testament reading this in the Old Times would go, interesting. A God come out of us. He will come out of our people. In Isaiah 42, 1-4 says this. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not falter, or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth." Again, speaking of the coming King, speaking of what Jesus will be. Again, these people had no real concept of what this could look like, but trusted the words of these prophets. I want to jump really quickly into the New Testament. This is the only time we're spending time in the New Testament today, which I know is crazy. But I really want us to focus here on Old Testament, and I really want us to focus here in the Bible. I want this to be a real study. And I guess for me this is what this two weeks has been and what I hope you catch today is the Bible has so much light and life in it as the Holy Spirit presents it to us. I hope you see the power of God and his intention for us through these scriptures today. But in 2 Peter it says this, he knows and he is a great high priest who can empathise with us. He is also the king who can do something about it. But he exercises his power in a different way than the worldly system. He will rule with an iron scepter again and dash them into pieces like pottery, which is in Psalm 2. But only after extending his patience, for he is not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come into repentance. This scripture reminds us again the authority that a king would bring. When they would read this, they would be thinking of the kings of their time. A king was not really that kind. A king was quite strong. Authority, power. But then here we read, it comes down that none should perish, that everyone would come into repentance. This king wouldn't be normal. This king wouldn't be like they'd seen before. And how could he help people repent? How could a king have that kind of power? It talked about the authority that only a god Could have. We know, of course, this God was Emmanuel, wanting relationship, not wanting only to judge, but to love, to come into connection, to come into peace, to come together. From a baby, Emmanuel drew us close to spite our sin, and the ancient world could never have imagined it. As we go through these prophetic words today from the Old Testament, I want you to get your head around these possibilities. This is probably the best way you can think about it, in my brain, and maybe you might understand this as well. But it's almost like blindfolding somebody, putting 10 names in a hat. The blindfolds just to make sure they don't cheat. Put the blindfold on, reach into a name, and pull out the same name every time. It was this impossible task. All of these prophetic words all come true and to have no mistakes, impossible. This is the God we serve. Mm -hmm. A God that can do the impossible. A God that doesn't stumble His way at all, but has purpose and plans for us, His people. Think about that for a moment in your life, in your situation, what you're going through nothing is a mistake, nothing you stumble into, because God is with you, God has a plan for you, and his purposes are perfect for you, his amendment. My goal as you read these scriptures today with me is that Holy Spirit speaks to you about how he looks at you, but also how amazing and wondrous he is. I hope he blows your socks off. Socks flying everywhere. That's my plan. If I don't see a sock, I'll be disappointed. You ready? The wonder of God. I'm going to go back to Isaiah 7.14. I know I mentioned it, but I'm going to say it one more time because we worth saying again. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. We will call him Emmanuel. This was given 700 years before he was born. <laughs> I don't know if you've been given a prophetic word before and sometimes you go, I wonder when that's going to come to pass. It's taken a while, right? What are you doing? 700 years is probably a while. But it was written for two purposes. One, for the world to see that there would be a human birth. A human that was God. They could not believe it, couldn't understand it. And of course, we saw in Matthew 1 that, that that prophecy was fulfilled. I'm not going to go through and tell you that they be fulfilled, because if you've read the New Testament, you would know that they were all fulfilled. But if you want to do some research, please do it. Please do it. Isaiah 9-6 is a great one. For a child has been born to us, a son given to us, and the authority is upon his shoulders. And the one who the wondrous advisor, the mighty king, the everlasting father, called his name... The Prince of Peace. In chapter 9, Isaiah is speaking to Judah. Israel and Syria and Judah are trying to come together because they're under threat. All around them, there is pressure of war. They are looking for help. They are looking for a king, they are looking for someone, an army warrior, leader, to take them out of the situation. Judah is feeling very powerless. They weren't sure at this point whether God was still for them. they made a lot of mistakes. They let him down time and time again. Is God still with us? Or are we on our own? Our enemies are surrounding us, do we have a chance? Or will we be destroyed? So this prophetic word that they received would have been very interesting for them. And they would have interpreted it in two ways. Wonderful counsellor, advisor, prince of peace. These would have been things they would have hoped for out of a leader, out of a king. This would have encouraged them. Yes, this war may be upon us, but it's going to be okay. There's going to be a leader coming. Who's going to be wise, going to help us out, going to get us, make us the right choice here. Who do we align with? That's what they would have seen in those moments. They would have expected that in these moments. But the other two, mighty God, and everlasting Father, they weren't expecting God to become flesh. They weren't looking for God in a man. So I pointed them a possibility they could have been a little confused by that word, but they could have gone, you know what? This makes sense. God is just reminding us of Him. God is reminding us of Him that He is good, that He is strong, that He is powerful. Maybe He is still with us. See, they would have interpreted these prophetic words so differently. In Micah five verse two, it says this: "But you, Bethlehem, now this." That word. Who wants to have a go at it? (laughs) Say it. Ephrata. Ephrata. I would never have got that out of that. Thank you, Pat. Appreciate you. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler of Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Again, this prophetic word, 800 years before it came to pass. 800 years before Christ was born. But it did tell them the coming king. It did tell them where to find this king. Micah's oracle again came in a world of violence, of pressure, uncertainty, economic disruption, And although their world looks a lot different to our world and sometimes I hate doing the correlation here because it's just so different but are we that different? Yeah. Yeah. Is this situation that we're in right now in life no different? God is still faithful. God is still with us. Emmanuel God with us. Now Very interesting here because Bethlehem (laughs) was not where they expected to find a king. Not a place you go looking for a king. If we're going to put it in our terms, and I'm sorry if I offend someone here, but I'm you know not originally from Newcastle, so I don't really know. But it's kind of like a king coming out of Windale. I don't know any kings you know coming out of Windale. I've got no issue with Windale; I think it's quite nice. But yeah, there you go. See, but how many kings or queens? Would you expect to come from there? Not many. But I love this. I love this. Because God was showing the world that you didn't need to be of high class, of high society, elite. No, he came to be humble. He came to relate to us. So we could see him and go, yeah, I can trust you, I will let you in. Because you're real. You're not pompous, you're not fake, you're the real deal. Okay. There's two more scriptures I'm going to share. This Old Testament, but I want these two to be your homework. I know I've said homework a few times when I've preached before, but I'm all about it. I think this is brilliant. I, at the end of the day, I love the responsibility to share with you. I love it so much. But I love it even more. If this inspires you, to search it out yourself. Yeah. To get into the Word and understand what God is speaking, because it will come alive to you. And that's what I want, more than anything else. So, in Second Samuel, uh, verse, chapter 7, 12 to 13, When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I think you work out he's talking to David here. But the story of David's line and how many times it got wiped out is quite incredible and a great one to look into. Again, it talks about the sovereignty of God, his plan, his purpose, his promises. Always true. And the last one, Messiah coming out of Egypt. The prophetic word again. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. We know this comes to pass, right? We know King Herod is going after the newborn king. And so he sends men to kill every man under, or boy under two. Joseph takes Mary and hides him in Egypt. Making this prophetic word come to pass. But again... I'd love you to look into that. It's it's an amazing word, an amazing story of God's faithfulness to us, to the Messiah. But we're going to change gears just here for a moment. Just for a moment. (coughs) So next week, I have the privilege of sharing with you again. I know, you're getting sick of me. But next week, I want us to actually understand the people that were involved. Because God's kind of beautiful like that. That he doesn't need us, but chooses to use us. And all throughout this story, he uses people like you and me to fulfill his work. So next week, we're going to look into some of those people and their story. That's going to be fun. But today, we're going to go to the first group of those people, because I feel like it aligns so beautifully with what I've been sharing so far today. We're going to look at the Magi. That was already on screen, wasn't it? Already, yeah, right. You already knew. I have to Surprise! <laughs> anyway, so... The Magi. let me give you some context. These guys were from the Persian Empire. These guys were very, very wise. The famous astrologers. They knew how to read the stars, how the stars would align with earth. They knew to be trained in the word of God. When we said the word of God, the prophetic words of the time. It is thought and believed that Daniel actually trained these guys. Daniel being the most famous astrologer probably of all time, known for his wisdom and reading the stars and understanding what that would mean for heaven and on earth. Quite amazing, right? Now, we know, we, we believe that there's three wise men. It's possible there actually was 12. There's a bit of a thing there, whether it was three or 12. It's, it's either one. It doesn't really matter. They were wise men, and they were wise. But it's so interesting that these... Three or twelve men were known for their ability to understand what God was doing through the earth, through the universe. I know I've said a few times this word, astrology, and probably a few of you are <laughs> losing it a little bit, and that's okay. But I want to poke a pulse just a little bit, not too much, just a little poke. It's interesting that God chose one of the first people to meet his son, people that read the stars. Which makes me wonder whether God's original plan for us understanding his universe, understanding his earth, was actually not evil, and not about us and our star signs and our thing, but about him. We also know that Satan is the great counterfeiter. If it's worth something, if it's valuable, let's make a fake version of it and sell that off. So am I telling you to go get your stars and mine's No, I am not. No, I'm not. But am I saying that the earth speaks of his king? Yeah. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. These men knew that there was a coming Messiah. They had read about a coming Messiah. Can we go to the next slide, Joel? This is a really interesting one to read. Now, we're not going to go through it today because we'll need half an hour at least. But what I want to tell you is something very interesting. There's a lot of 77s and 7 times this and 7 plus and then this makes 590. There actually is a sum to do with this. You can actually work this all out. And these men did. They were wise men for a reason. They were wise. And it's possible, again, this is Daniel's prophetic word. So there could have been some uh, teaching in this to help them explain what was really going on. But... The interesting fact here is that this numbering begins when the decree came to restore Jerusalem. Okay, So Jerusalem was said, we're going to restore, we're going to fix it. It was a decree made. From that point, the timer started. <coughs> if you use this calculation from Daniel and that timing, the day that Jesus came out for Palm Sunday, the day he became king, is exactly aligned with that time. The Bible makes no mistakes. God makes no mistakes. His timing was perfect. His king was coming, and this prophesied it exactly. Quite amazing. So, how did the wise men find Jesus? I don't know about you, but when I grew up, I just assumed that there's these wise guys just hanging out one day, and they saw this bright, shining light and went, ooh, ooh. We should follow that. And they just started following it. It was not like that at all. These men had been studying the prophetic words of Daniel. They had been reading the stars. They'd been understanding the times. They were looking for a king. They were looking for the Messiah. They knew the time frame of a messiah around this period, because they know he's coming around here. They knew to even look in Bethlehem, because a prophetic word had said so. These were wise men, not stumbling around in the dark, looking for something and hoping to find it. Let me tell you something else that's really kind of interesting. This one's fun and just for free. So, there is one time in history where Astronomical science has done a kind of like a software backdate thing of of certain things aligning in the sky So there's this king star called Regulus There's the king planet called Jupiter get that I'm saying King Interesting, right? So king star King planet the Sun and the moon all aligning at the same time that has happened One time in history in the whole world, they've backdated it all the way back to 3 BC. Hmm. Interesting. Many believe that 3 BC was the birth of Christ. And just to throw one in there for for fun, they actually think it was September. (laughs) Oh (laughs) well. Forget that. (laughs) Let's celebrate in December. But again friends I hope you're understanding this The majesty of God For that to have happened For all those things to align At that time Means that that would have been planned At the beginning of time God planned His son Emmanuel From the beginning of time He knew what we would do. He knew what would happen to earth. He knew giving free will would do certain things in history, right? But he also knew one thing. His love would conquer it all. And his heart and desire for us is to be with us. Emmanuel. As I said before, not a God out there, not a God watching from afar, but God with us. His son would come to do that. These wise men were looking for the son. They were looking for the future king. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all his people belong to him. It's worth remembering that. Because the world, sometimes we put this world in this box of Ugh. the world's bad now. The stars are bad now. The earth is bad now. All the things. No. There's bad things happening. Sin has done a lot of damage. But it still belongs to Him. And we belong to Him. God's plan and purpose for us is always for us to reach out to our Emmanuel. Don't let it be far away, friends. In this season of Christmas, don't let God just be a word that you know. Don't let Jesus be the little baby just in a manger. He came to be Emmanuel. He came to be with us. That is his heart. His heart for us. Let me pray. Father, We just love you so much. we thank you for your wonder, for your amazing wonder. Our brains can't comprehend, can't work it out. And even as we study your word, it's even more mind-bending. But what is true, what we can understand, is that you love us, and that you have chosen us. Today there's people in this place who just need to be reminded of your love for them. Holy Spirit, just pour out your love on them. Those hearts that are feeling hurt, those hearts that are feeling broken, pour out your love on them. God, for those of us that love this season. I just pray that you would really just pour out your presence on on all of us in this season. That we would know you. That we would draw close to you. And the busyness, the excitement, all those things wouldn't take away from you. We thank you, Jesus, for the sacrifice you made for us and your son. Jesus, you are so, so good. For dying for us, and we love you so much. Amen. <clears throat> Thanks, friends. I'm so looking forward to next week. I'm so looking forward to sharing the story of these people. Uh, again, I hope it. I hope it connects you more to Jesus and the power in his in his coming and, and what he's done in our lives. I'm also really excited for Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> so, do I hang over to you for now? Oh, no, we have to do, do so. Let's do a song. All Jesus oh, Here comes the socks! Yes! Yeah. I got socks! Socks! <laughs> multiple socks! Oh, see. You. My <laughs> oh. You can't wrong. Ah, uh, yes. Jeremy, I love that song. Um, the King one. Like nothing I can give to the King. Say that again? Whatever. But that King one's really a good one, because I feel like it's like... Yeah, the last one. Yeah, because I feel like it's like something I can bring for my King. except worship. And I think that's a really good moment for us to sort of come back to that, right? There's nothing we can do to work it up, to earn it, to do anything else. All we can do is sacrifice our worship to him. So let's do that.